When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Now, here's Chris Plank. Let's go. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. It is the Game Plan Live. He's the voice of the Sooners. Toby Rowland, I'm Chris Plank. We have notes. We're ready to go. We just, right. wrapped, we just wrapped up the Lincoln Riley press conference. Texas Tech coming up this weekend. We're going to break format a little bit and talk about what's next instead of looking back first because big news yesterday as Texas Tech has moved on from Matt Wells after two and a third yeah, two and season, a half. two and a half seasons. Yeah, yeah I got to the halfway point, I guess. Uh, I, I'm staying calm on this. Matt Wells he's is one a buddy of, my, of yours. He's right? one of my buddies. Uh, he started at Tulsa whenever I was at Tulsa. And, um, again, unfortunately didn't win enough. But I don't know who's going to make Texas Tech fans happy because basically since they moved on from Mike Leach, they haven't been the same program. But I lead with this to ask the challenge of facing a team with an unknown, right? Sonny yeah. Cumbie was on that staff with Cliff King, uh, with Lincoln Riley whenever he called uh, plays under Ruffin McNeil whenever Mike Leach was fired. But we don't know what to expect. What's going to be different? What changes could he potentially make? It's a fascinating matchup on Sunday, uh, Saturday. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I don't think you anticipate anything too drastic because it's not like he wasn't there. I mean, he, he was the offensive coordinator and uh, was involved in how this offense looked this year in a heavy way. Maybe there are some things he wanted to do that, you know, that uh, Matt didn't want to do. I don't know. You never know. But... Uh, I would imagine Texas Tech's going to look quite a bit like uh, Texas Tech has looked <laughs> right. all season. I, I, and it's the same defense and everything. So sure. there, there is a little bit of an unknown there, but I don't think it'll be too drastic. You know, the, the interesting thing for them, for me, is this is a good win. It's the only loss Houston has all year, by the way, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, comeback win for them early in the year. The interesting thing for me is, so if you've watched Oklahoma, the last three weeks, you've been able to throw the ball against them. Uh, Casey Thompson at Texas, Duggan at TCU, uh, Bean at Kansas. A lot of success against Oklahoma in the passing game. 
But Sir Roderick Thompson's their best player on offense, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So I don't think they're going to take the running back out of the game plan and just air it out against OU. Maybe they will. Maybe they see OU's deficiencies and troubles and say, sorry, Sir Roderick, you're not going to be a part of the game plan this week. But uh, <laughs> that's hard for me to imagine. So no, it's an interesting week. It's a surprising development, at least for me, down in Lubbock this week. And you've got an Oklahoma team coming off a pretty dreadful performance by their standards last week. So there is, as always here in 2021, tremendous intrigue going into this Saturday's football game. And of course, for me, it's sad because I don't get a chance to watch the pride as Scott took uh, Salisaw, excuse me. And I'm all over the place today. Salisaw, okay. Black Diamond, Matt Wells, who did a fantastic job the season before he got uh, took the Texas Tech job at Utah State. Here's the problem. He was never universally embraced. Texas Tech wants Art Bryles. Texas Tech wants Sonny Dykes. Texas Tech wants their Texas guy. Matt Wells, Oklahoma guy, had some success at Tulsa, had some success, obviously, at Utah State. He was never universally embraced. And, again, there's the numbers, didn't win enough yeah. either, even though he may He's be having the first, a good year this year, though. He may be the first coach in the history of ever who's fired midseason with a winning record without anything going on off the field. I mean, nothing. That we know of, yeah. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. I, I would almost stake everything I have that there's Don't nothing that. going on Don't do that. We field. want to keep you around here. <laughs> That's how confident I am in Matt Wells a person. Um, I just, Texas Tech, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Will these players come out more motivated? See, will there be a little extra energy? We'll see. Should it matter? Probably not, right? If Oklahoma puts together a full game. Is this a football exclusive podcast? Not really. It can go anywhere. Tell me what I'm, I'm in for tomorrow night, this Halloween game. Oh, the Halloween game tomorrow yeah. night. I don't know. I haven't been, done I, it for the last two years. I haven't been to one of these before. So tomorrow night, um, Halloween game, baseball versus softball. Um, they haven't done one since Jake Irvin had the Jake from State Farm costume, <laughs> which is the greatest costume that's ever been it's used. Great, yeah. Uh, but, no, it's, it's a blast. Everyone's dressed up. You spend half the game trying to figure out who's who. Seems and like there's always a slinky dog involved. There's always a slinky dog, yeah. and baseball used that to their advantage, by the way. Steal bases. They so stole stay bases on one like base crazy. and steal the other one. Yeah. So there you see, that's coming up uh, Wednesday night, depending on when you consume We're calling this. it together. That's right. We haven't. We never get to work together. Never, in, well, in the booth together. Right. You You're know. always up top. I'm usually downstairs. So that's 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. It's going to be fun. It's always a blast. Here's what makes it fun is the players have fun with it. Yeah. Don't the coaches always dress up and everything sure. too? Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm I dressing up as you. You're dressing up as I me. I love that idea. I'm going to wear an OU polo and put a name tag that says Chris Plank on it. Are you going to wear the Are you going to wear the sandals too? Flip to flops, go with it? Maybe. I maybe. mean, it, it it is the key, by the way, to every single broadcast. I like to make that. sure you I'm, have your I'm sandals in. on. I'm in. <laughs> so that's tomorrow night. Then on Saturday we've got Oklahoma and Tech, and while I recover from just basically pulling an you oblique okay? muscle, that was a lot of stretching. A lot of stretching right there. What do we say about Saturday? I thought Lincoln Riley's press conference today was great. I mean, I, I, I don't – Eddie Radosevich made me laugh when he asked, I guess people think that we need to throw a shoe at you or something, which was borderline hilarious. But I, I thought it was a fascinating day in just learning how this coaching staff feels about this team. Now, I don't think you're always going to get Toby in a press conference setting what they're telling the team behind no, closed doors. No. But I just – again, listen. what more do you want to hear? There are things to fix, obviously, if you've watched this football team, especially defensively the last two or three weeks. They got to get better. But 
he was confident and optimistic, and you've got to stay that way, you know? I mean, like he said, the sky's not falling. Don't write us off yet. They are 8-0, and they're still very much in the hunt for all of their goals this year. Conference titles, college football playoffs, national championships. Uh, there are weeks in which that looks more attainable than others. Uh, this was a rough week. Uh, the way they played at Kansas was uh, frightening in the first half. I mean, that game, they were down 10 with 90 seconds to go in the third quarter, but found a way to win. I thought what he had to say about, and this is perfect that you bring up the schedule here while we're talking about this, I think what he had to say about the offense and the defense kind of working off each other this year was great because you just go down the schedule here. The offense struggled against Nebraska and West Virginia, but the defense played very well. The defense struggled against Kansas State and Texas and TCU and Kansas, but the offense with Caleb Williams came alive, especially in the second half against Texas and in the second half against Kansas as well. So the goal is to get both of them playing great. I mean, you're not going to do everything we just said this year, win conference and national championships without playing great football on both sides of the ball. But at least to get to this point, they've been able to help each other when one has struggled within a half or within a game, and they've gotten themselves to an undefeated 8-0. Hopefully, they can start to get healthier. It sounds like there might be some reinforcements coming this week. You would imagine the bye week will be good for them as far as maybe getting a couple of more guys back, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're down a couple of important wide receivers. And, and Mario Williams and Mike Woods, maybe Theo Weiss still could come back by the end of the year. At least that's what was hoped for at one point this season. But especially defensively. Uh, they are ravaged in the defensive backfield with injuries right now. And it would really, really help if they could start to get a little healthier here. Both starting corners didn't play on Saturday. And one hasn't played since the second game of the season. So they're Woody Washington. Woody Washington, yeah. of course. E.J. Graham was the other player. Well, if you think of the five guys that start in a defensive backfield at the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. Woody Washington, D.J. Graham, Delarian Turner-Yell, all out. Billy Bowman's playing a different position. And Pat Fields, I don't I mean, he, I, he's playing, but it looks like he's, you know, he could use a week off too. So Pat, Pat Fields is beat up, man. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And no Jeremiah Cradell. Some of the depth is battered. So, again, they got to play better. I'm not trying to make excuses for them. But your, your starters are your starters for a reason. And uh, hopefully they can start to get some of those guys back. By the way, you, you just saw a play for those, obviously, on the Facebook side. It was good to see number 12, Key Lawrence. Yeah, he really, played well. He had a really good game. Had a chance to talk to him in the post game. He was... He's, I hope he continues to play well because I want to talk to him after every single game. He's an all-time post-gamer. But uh, it's taken a guy like him a little bit of time to develop. And I think Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch have referred to this quite a bit. They have some guys that they expected to take jumps that still need to continue to take these bigger jumps. So uh, there ain't no. I know that some people don't want to hear that. That's not, I think they'd rather be 0-8 right now. Um, but the bottom line, more than anything else, no, I don't think that's the case. I, I, I do. Wow, you! I thought you were done with everything. No, I'm not done with everything. <laughs> I think there are frustrations out there, and deservedly so. I mean, trust me, there are frustrations in the coaching offices and absolutely the play. But at least you're still in a spot where if you fix it, you can win championships this year. 
if you were five and three and having these frustrations, or maybe even seven and one, you might be out of it. But they're not out of it. They've managed to find a way to win all these games. And so now you just got to go fix some things, which might I still, not be easy. I, maybe, maybe I'm the wrong one. I'm winning just win baby has always been my philosophy in life and yeah. they're winning so let me let me get some Facebook comments here Sooners win on Saturday against Kansas we got Texas Tech coming up this weekend we'll be on there at the 1230 pregame 230 with the kick for Oklahoma and Texas Tech and of course Fan Fest party at the Palace will open early by the way I thought this was an underrated good play in the game yeah defended really well that, that was one of those trick plays that you worried might end up working out all right um Evan brings up a good point. Texas Tech's going to be a big game because Julian Wilson is part of that Texas Tech right. coaching staff. He's one of their grad assistants, just turned 30 this past week. And, I mean, anymore, you look around the Big 12, Toby, and there's an assistant or a former player that seems to be on just about everyone's staff kinda right cool. now for Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool. Malcolm Kelly's over at TCU. Um, all right, this is one that's kind of been in our wheelhouse of frustration. Uh, Jayton writes, if I hear we're really close one more time, they, this coaching staff feels like they're really close, right? I mean, what more can we say? Yeah. Um, I don't know how to answer yeah. that. I mean, I, I, that's a frustration for whoever sent that in, and uh, I'm sorry, I guess, is, <laughs> I guess is the answer. I'm, I don't know what the dot, dot, dot referred to, but that's the way they feel. Whether you believe it or not uh, is your prerogative, but, you know. Um, Jeff is positive. He writes, this is the week, and we finally put it together on both sides of the ball. Boomer. I feel like we've said that for the last couple of weeks, right? And everyone kind of feels that way. Yeah, fingers crossed it would be great, especially going into a bye week. Sure. If you felt good about things going into that bye week. So if they would come out and play well, both sides of the ball, have a convincing victory Saturday, then I think you got two weeks there to get healthy and really kind of bask in some positive mojo. That would be good for this team. Um, your thoughts on Caleb Williams. Good guy's got wheels and he's fun to watch. I thought the uh, press conference was very interesting today. There were zero questions about Spencer Rattler. That's right. And there was only one question about Caleb Williams. So uh, the concerns have moved among the media anyway. <laughs> I think Caleb Williams is, is fantastic. He has created a spark for this team. He's created a spark for this offense. He is... He's got the clutch gene. We have found that out very early in his career. He's got the knack for making the spectacular play at the biggest of moments. Uh, I think he's got a chance to win a Heisman Trophy and maybe a national championship here at Oklahoma. That being said, uh, he's he's made a few plays the you know on Saturday. I'll just speak specifically to Saturday that weren't great, especially in the first half. The Interception was not a good play. He had a guy wide open in the flat, uh, Kennedy Brooks, and he put it up in danger. And there were a few times when he just, you know, he, he was uh, all over the place with his eyes. And I think Kansas kind of tricked him into some things. But to his credit, in the second half, he pulled it together and played some great football That's with great the throw. game on the line. That is a big-time throw. So he is young. He's a true freshman who did not play football last year at all. And there's going to be some growing pains. But, man, I mean, the, the ceiling for this kid is way, way, way up there. Um, I, I dig him. I can't wait to get to talk to him. He's fun. He's energetic. 
Well, he really did miss that big hole in the middle, didn't he, that Lincoln yeah. was talking about that fourth down play. But that's how special he is, right? Right. Yeah. He's, uh, I get, that's the fourth down, you know, and that's what I'm saying. He's got the clutch gene. I mean, he's just got the knack early in his career of making the biggest plays at the biggest moments. All right, so I've been asked this a lot, and I don't really know how to answer it, so I will ask you. Aaron, Aaron Dope writes, is there a reason why Lincoln Riley has been hesitant to praise Caleb Williams at all? Do you get that question a lot? I do, and I would say that is, it is not surprising. It is historically exactly what he's done with all of his quarterbacks. This is not a Caleb Williams situation. If you go back to the early days of Baker, if you go back to the early days of Kyler, of uh, Spencer Rattler, of Jalen Hurts, especially the first half of the season, he was reluctant to, you know, join in the praise fest right. when they would have a good game. He would always say, he always has, yeah, he did some things well, but he missed some things too. This is the way he's always talked about his quarterbacks. This is not in any way picking on Caleb Williams. I would encourage people to go back and dig up Lincoln Riley press conferences from last year. He said the same things about Spencer Rattler. And if you go back a couple of years, he said the same things about Jalen Hurts. When it tends to change is when the quarterbacks get into around voting time for Heisman trophies. Award season. When it, yeah, when award season starts to roll around late in the year, Lincoln will uh, tend to you know, start to kind of hype his guys up a little bit. But this is not out of the ordinary, in my experience, with Lincoln Riley. Not me neither. And it's, it's kind He's of... He's hard on his quarterbacks. He's a quarterback. He's hard on his quarterback. You, Coach Cole would always be hard on her point, point guards, guards, right? Lon exactly. Kruger, hard on his point guards. Patty yeah. Gasso, hard on her infielders yeah. because she was an infielder. Shortstop, that's what she played. Even though with Grace Lyons, so I'm going to be hard on her. She's amazing. But on the quarterback side of things, it's been a, it's been a slow, I guess you could say, not necessarily praise, but it's just that's... The level of expectation, yeah. very high. Exactly. And I don't, think, I don't think it's anything personal. No, I think people not, are looking for some sort of personal It's not made thing. up. I think no. people want him to go, holy cow, isn't he awesome? Right. And he is. And maybe he's telling him, but there are a lot of things he hasn't done well right. the last couple of weeks, like we just showed, like missing the hole on that fourth down that almost cost him big time, like the interception in the first half. And I think he's just trying to – Make sure that the kid understands we got work to do here. Um, we got time for a couple more, right, Craig? Craig Morion, our producer. I think we do. this is pretty good. Uh, Garrett Purcell writes, and this is something that we've talked about quite a bit, but it bears repeating today. It seems like every team has taken the Tulane bl a blueprint to beat OU. We have to get third down stops. I thought of the I, – I even wrote this down today. The best back and forth in the press conference was John Shin's question about fourth down. Mm -hmm. And how as a defense, you get that third down stop, fist come up, you come running off your high five, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're going for it. Mm -hmm. I, it's more than third down stops anymore, T. Rowe. It's fourth down stops. And that mindset has had to change a little bit too for this defense. And Tulane isn't the first, and they weren't obviously the last this year, to go with that umbrella D and try to grind the clock. No, uh, opponents have gone for it 23 times on fourth downs this year. <laughs> In eight games, so that's, you know, three times a game, basically, a team has gone for it on fourth. There's a lot of games where you don't have one fourth down attempt. So the, the point that Lincoln has made, and mm -hmm. this, is, this is the point, is you got to get that stop in negative territory. you got to get that third down stop where going for it for four, on fourth isn't even 
a thought. Or it's too far to even consider it. It's a third and seven, not a third and, or fourth and seven, not a fourth and two. And too many times this year, they've let teams get two or three first downs, get out to midfield, maybe even into positive territory. And then you get the stop, and now it's third and three. And now the opposing coach says, or fourth and three, now the opposing coach says, well, why not go for it? I mean, if we're in positive territory. So it's a defense issue. It's a defense issue. You've got to be better on first and second and third down so that going forward on fourth down is, is off the table. And, you know, they've got, they've got 10 fourth down stops. Teams have gone for it 23 times on fourth downs. That means Oklahoma's had 10 turnovers on downs this year. That's a huge number. It's massive. But um, it, it has created some very long possessions for opponents this year, which has created some low possession games, a lot of them. Eight of them against Kansas. It's crazy. I, I'm still in my mind, Craig had put up the time of possession, trying to fathom that they had eight minutes with the football in the first half against yeah. Kansas. Three possessions. Unreal. Kansas had the ball longer on their opening drive than Oklahoma had it in totality in the first half. Unreal. Um, okay, this is looking ahead. You okay to take a look ahead question? Sure. Okay, I got two of them before we get out of here. Uh, Jaden Carey writes, where do you feel like we'll be ranked when the CFP rankings are released next Tuesday? Got to oh, win boy. first. Yeah. Three or four? I think so, too. Here's a look at where they are in the polls. Keep in mind, this weekend, Ohio State's got Penn State. Michigan plays Michigan State. Alabama is off. Georgia's going to Florida this weekend. And, well, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, they're not playing I'll at four. the Swamp. Well, whoever wins the Michigan-Michigan State game, I think might be in front of them. I do too. Because of, you know, the quality of that win. I think Oklahoma would be ahead of a one-loss Alabama and Ohio State at this point. Uh, maybe you, you know, start at – those teams get to the point where they got conference titles or something, then you worry about it. But I, I would say four. That would be my guess. If everybody – of Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma win, I don't know. Oklahoma might be ahead is, of Cincinnati. Is the best thing that could happen – to bring everyone together is for Oklahoma to be undefeated and be fifth in the first playoff ranking. Sure. I mean, why not? <laughs> bring everyone be, together. It would be the perfect story for this season. Uh, which you have it, consistently. There's nothing more irrelevant than the first <laughs> ranking, by the way. Everyone remembers who the first ever number one was in the very first ever playoff ranking. Mississippi State. That's right. Dak Prescott. That's right. And the other three, te they had three SEC teams. Auburn and Ole Miss were in that as well. Ole Miss was number four. Um, I like this, by the way, from Justin and Charlie Hancock. I'd much rather be 8-0 and trying to figure things out than 4-4, four 5-3, and 6-2, four, and and or whatever. New quarterback injuries. Be calm, folks. Listen, I think we're all calm, but it's just mm. it's frustrating. Not all of us are calm. <laughs> Eddie Radosevich is throwing shoes at Lincoln Riley. Calmer no, than not, you, dude. He's not really. No, I'm no, no. But, but in all seriousness, like you said, I – listen – some people act like they'd rather be one and seven. That's not the you case. can be. Here's the thing. You can be thrilled to be eight. and oh, and and realize there's a lot of things that have to be better, right? They are not mutually exclusive. Um, oh, right, and then finally, speaking of looking ahead, Ruben writes any update on a time for the Baylor game. Now, again, that's the first game after the bye. I believe that the six day we're hoping what afternoon prime time. I just don't want an 11 a.m. because we got a basketball game Friday night in Norman. Oh, so okay. I'm I, I usually on the road. I don't mind the early kickoffs, but I'm hoping for a, a night game in Waco. No, we do not know. 
and that won't be out for another week. Mm. Another week. At the earliest. Sorry. Here's we got the bye week between here and there. So I the, keep forgetting about the bye week. The six too. day hold that they just put out was for the bye week. Oh, games. okay. So we don't we don't have any idea yet going forward. Mm-hmm. That's right. We have the bye week. Um, all right. You excited then for tomorrow night? I hope everyone joins yes. us. Yes. We're going to be at Marina Hines Field. Correct. For the Halloween game, it's fun. Baseball versus softball. I've got baseball. Dress up. Come on out. Bring the kids. They'll have a great time. Candy and everything. I got baseball. It's a slight favorite because they have taken really? advantage of the slinky dog. All right, to where wow. it, they, I'm just saying, now maybe softball has something up their sleeve. I'm going over there to debrief to see if I can help out in any way later this afternoon. Um, and I would, um, I would say tomorrow's got a chance to be a really exciting day beyond I've just the Halloween I've heard you tease game. this a little just, bit. Just beyond the Halloween Seems game. like you know something you're not sharing I, with I, me. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, mm. but just fun day tomorrow for Diamond Sports. And, Toby, you're heading out to Rudy's tonight. You got Gabe with you. Yes, which means there's a really good chance they're not going to hit any of their breaks on time. But <laughs> that's a compliment to Gabe. Gabe Eichard will be with us for the huddle. That show starts at 6 o'clock. And then uh, Teddy will join me for the uh, Lincoln Riley show, which starts at 7. Come on out, grab you some barbecue, watch the show, and we'll have a good time together. I had fun today. This was good, right? I mean, this was a little therapeutic. Got some questions. You Man, feel any listen, better? Anytime I get the chance to spend time with you is a good day. <laughs> All right. For those on the podcast side, the Lincoln Riley press conference is right now. All right. Thanks, Chris. Good to see everybody. Uh, excited to get back home uh, for a 2:30 kick here against against Texas Tech. Um, guys, have uh, we've had a, a really good start to the week. Great energy on the practice field. I think kind of recognize uh, a lot of the opportunities that we have that we've one that we've created for ourselves as a football team by by being able to start eight and oh and and obviously the you know looking ahead here to to a texas tech game that's going to be very very important for us um uh, guys have prepared well we've uh, really attacked the issues uh, that, that we know we have and need to need to need to fix uh, we're really trying to push and build on the positives which are when you're eight and oh uh, despite what the outside world might think, there actually is a positive in there somewhere. Um, so uh, there, there's several there that we're continuing to build on. Uh, hope to be able to add a couple of guys here uh, as far as availability to play this week, and, and we're going to keep rolling. Um, would say, you know, re- regarding Texas Tech, uh, uh, a little bittersweet, you know, for me personally. I mean, I very, you know, Tough to hear the news about Matt Wells. He's become a, a good friend. Got to know him uh, a little bit before being in this league, and and then uh, and then certainly throughout the, the different events in this league. But one of the great guys in coaching, a t- heck of a ball coach, and uh, no question he's going to get his chance to continue to lead really good programs in the future. Um, so, uh, but obviously one of the very tough things about our business. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, and then on the, the flip side, excited for a good friend in, in Sonny Cumbie, you know, who I've known uh, for a long time, kind of in, in some ways kind of grew up together at, at Texas Tech in this business. And uh, I know it's not under ideal circumstances. I can remember getting my first opportunity to call plays under less than ideal circumstances many years ago. And ironically, you know, Sonny was, was part of our staff when that happened. So uh, I know he'll do a, a great job. Uh, leading that program and and uh, so again in a tough situation uh, excited personally for, for Sonny and his opportunity so we'll look forward to Saturday getting a chance to compete against those guys. Let's start with Eric Taylor. Just making a lot of big plays as a quarterback's coach with a young quarterback what about check downs and things like that is he seeing things if the big play isn't there is he taking the check downs what's your evaluation of that? Uh, 
sometimes he has, sometimes he hasn't. You know, there's the the, the uh, interception the other day was a, a, a prime example of that. So um, something that I've got to do a better job with in that room, and, and we've got to do a better job of. Uh, we can't let you know, emotions of the game or you know, wanting just the, the desire to make a big play for the team or any of that supersede just going through your reads and, and, and taking the ball where it needs to go. And so that's certainly uh, something he can do better, I can do a better job of with. Um, hasn't been awful, but needs to be better. Ryan Abram. I think it's sort of going along with that. You're without a, a couple of your wide receivers the other day, Mario and Mike, uh, Theo's been out for a while. Do you have any updates on them? And, and sort of along with that, uh, how do you feel like Austin Stogner has come along? You haven't seen you know, the number of catches for him that we saw early last year before he got hurt. Uh, yeah, receiver-wise, we'll have to see. I think Mario and Mike both have a chance, but they're still a little limited right now. Um, neither one of them were also very close to being able to play the other day. So, um, you know, hope hope to have them available this week. If not, you know, I think we'll have a chance to get them back after that. Um, yeah, Stog is Stog's done a good job. I mean, he you know he played played quite a bit early for us. Um, Again, we got in some of, so many of these games where it's been so low possession that it's, I mean, it's affected the opportunities for everybody on the roster, him included. And, and you know, he's in a very competitive room. I mean, that's uh, three guys that have been good players for us. Uh, you know, three guys that have, you know, established themselves as, as trustworthy guys and guys that we feel like we can, you know, go to them and they're going to make the play. Um, you know, last few weeks, the ball's found. Uh, those other guys a little bit more, uh, but Stog is a, a really good weapon, and wouldn't surprise me at all if he, you know, really really breaks out here. Um, and I think he's, I think he's getting better. He practiced better, uh, especially here in the last several weeks. And uh, so, you know, those things go in ebbs and flows, uh, but we still realize the weapon he is, and certainly want to continue to get all those guys involved. Jason Kirsten, again, I know so much of Alex's defensive identity is, is creating havoc and getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Are, do you? What do you attribute it to maybe that you guys haven't been getting that same level of pressure on quarterbacks the last couple of weeks? Oh, I would say I'd say a lot of things. I mean, we obviously knew we needed to play better on the defensive front. I thought we were I thought we were a little bit better the other day um, than, than we were against TCU. Um, uh, some of it comes with just kind of the nature of that game and the way that it played out. It was a much different game than than TCU with, you know, again, so much run game, kind of con controlling the clock, uh, play action. Uh, can we be better on the front? Yes. Is there some things we can do, you know, better schematically to try to help that? Yes. Um, you know, and those things, those things play in tandem. I mean, the the better you play on the back end, typically the more you make quarterbacks hold the ball, and then vice versa. So, I mean, I I don't see I don't see groups that are incapable. I don't I don't see groups that are uh, not showing signs of it. But we need to do it on all three levels of the defense more often. You know, again, obviously you get. The front's more active. It's going to make those other guys' job easier. But at the same time, if we can do a better job, the back end, the back seven, you know, those guys doing a doing an elite job of, of covering, of fitting runs, putting them in long yardage situations, then you give the front more opportunity to cut it loose as well. So, I think the answer is, you know, nobody's way off. We just need everybody to be a little bit better. Hey Lincoln, I wanted to ask you about Jeremiah Hall. He's had touchdown catches in back to back weeks. Just how big has he been on and off? He's been great for us. You know, he's been been uh, one of our captains, one of our leaders. Uh, been very steady as a player. I know we've talked about over the last few years. He's really improved as a receiver. I think made himself a, 
a more versatile player uh, than he was when he walked in the door. And there's just a lot of trust with the guy. I mean, the guy, you know what you're going to get every day at practice. You know what you're going to get every single game. He, he rarely makes mental mistakes. He's always into it, you know, no matter if the job's you know, catching the ball and scoring a touchdown or it's making a tough, gritty block in the box, whatever it is, you just you know that typically he's going to get his job done and, and, and he's going to come to compete and be ready every day. So no, he's definitely one of our, you know, one of our bell cows, one of our big leaders. Um, he's always been a, a good presence in this program, but his leadership is, is, is as high a level right now as it's been throughout his career. Trey West was in the portal, then he came back. Can you sort of take us through the process of like what went on there in terms of bringing him back and what's changed in him for the trust factor you had in him Saturday with that, that huge that, that huge run? Yeah, man, it's a, it's a great story. You know, I mean, went through some uh, some things personally last year, um, kind of throughout the season, and as, as did a lot of people with all that was going on. and, and uh, you know, obviously made the decision to, to leave the program and I think, you know, get a chance to kind of catch his breath and figure out exactly what he needed to do. And yeah, we, we got a phone call um, kind of late spring, early summer, you know, that he was uh, interested in coming back and we were happy to get the phone call. We were, we were sick when he left um, just because, I mean, you know, we knew he had a chance to be a really good player, obviously getting a college education and we felt like he fit in here and we, you know, we really loved having him around. So it was kind of a shock to us when he left and, but yeah, he, he's, he's come back. Um, I think he's grown up a lot. I think he's just really more settled in all areas of his life. He's a great kid. Um, the teammates love him. And, and so seeing him yeah, make the big play, our, our sideline erupted. And even when we showed it in our team meeting on Monday, it, you, the guys have a respect for him because uh, it's not easy to come back. You know, a lot of guys they leave, they would never do that. Um, just safe face, you know, perception, whatever, you know. And he's come back, you know, came back and we put him at the bottom of the depth chart, bottom of the barrel, um, and he's had to work his way back. And he's, he's done it. And he's really starting to become a good player, um, playing smarter, playing faster. He's making an impact for us on special teams. And I think he'll continue to make a big impact offensively. Lincoln, what's the concern level for your defense? Kansas had almost as much scoring production in eight possessions as they've had in 41 possessions against the rest of the conference. What's, what's your concern level? Uh, I mean, I, I think, I'd say two sides of it. I mean, I think we know in the last, especially the last two weeks, we haven't played up to our capability. Um, you know, you, you turn on the tape, and I think as a coach, you, you, you look at it and you say, all right, what, you know, what's the cause of this? You know, why, why is this happening? And, the, you know, is it, is it capability? Is it the guys out there? Is it things schematically, you know, what's causing it? The biggest issue I see with us, and it's certainly not to take any way, anything away from Kansas, but we are, the majority of breakdowns that we have, we're causing. You know, we've had, we've had a couple of times, you know, at TCU game guy made a couple of phenomenal catches. We've had a few things like that over this stretch, but we've had way too many that we're, serving it up on a silver platter, you know, so to say, for, for offenses. And, and the flip side of that is, is when we do play well and we do our job, we show signs of being the really good defense that we feel like we can be. And we have shown, you know, good chunks of this season. So, um, you know, I think my, my confidence level is still very high. There are those things, obviously, we have to correct uh, with the guys that have been playing. We're going to have a chance to get 
you know, a batch of starters back here pretty quick, which I don't care where you're at, how much depth you have, anything like that, that, that makes a difference. And I, and I think it'll be a, a good shot in the arm in addition to identifying these areas that need to get corrected, especially the, the mistakes that are leading to some of these points. Regarding the whole team, maybe you'd focus on the offense. Um, was there a little bit of a shock factor Saturday when you came out and the guys were just flat, flat offensively, flat defensively, um, emotionally flat? Uh, you, you talked about poor play and being frustrated by that. Was that something that you were a little bit shocked by? And have you put your finger on why that happened Saturday? Um, was I shocked? I don't know. I don't get I don't get shocked in football games very often. I mean, these anything can happen. And you know, one thing I've learned at OU, I said it the, yesterday or uh, days run together now. Sunday on my show, you know, I had to learn this being here. You know, and I I would compare it. You know, whether to you guys to our fan base, like you take how we feel about as, and I'm talking about as a fan base. You know, uh, people that watch the program, this that. How do we feel about going to play Texas? That, that week to everybody here feels different. Okay, understand that everybody that plays us, that's how they feel about playing us. That's the world we live in every single week. So when you ask about my shock factor, no, because I mean, I know nine times out of 10, the team that we see on tape, you know, against somebody's not, not going to be the same opponent that we're going to play. It's just the nature of the beast, and that's, and that's fine. We know that. I think there's some guys on our team that know it and understand it. I think we've got some young guys, which you always do as players recycle, that are, that are learning that and learning to really appreciate that. And uh, so, no, I wouldn't say a shock factor. Was I disappointed and frustrated with the way we played in the first half? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It wasn't our capability. And, and the one thing we've done, you know, really, so and it's a big reason why we've won every game is typically this year when one side of the ball has not been at its best, the other side has been really, really good. And that's how we've been able to make it happen. We haven't had all the knockout blows that we would love to have, but we have, we found ways to win every single game. And that was one of the few stretches that I can remember where both sides were, were just really poor. I mean, just really poor and, and so many self-inflicted errors. And then again, when the game gets reduced, so that you guys are probably tired of me saying it, but it's when the game gets reduced to three possessions on each side, I mean, it just all it takes is a couple of errors, man, and it's going to be it's going to be over like that. And so, um, just like that half was. And so, uh, yeah, frustrated, disappointed the way we played. Yeah, but I mean, again, there we we have obviously identified that we've got to be able to surge together. We want to play. We don't want you know, one side having to carry the other or make up for the other. That, it's, it's a great quality to have. You have to be able to do that because not all the time are both sides going to be at their best. But we realize we've got we've to be able to string together some quality football between all three sides of the ball more often. And we'll make those runs like, like we have in a few of the games this year. So that's, that's been a big emphasis point uh, for our guys, our team. I think we've been able to identify and really zero in on some key things that We've either done well or that have held us back, and we're aggressively, aggressively pushing towards the things that we've held us back, and, and feel like that we'll get them corrected. Mm -hmm. Lincoln, to the question about correcting some things and getting better, we're at the time of year where you're used to seeing that happen. Obviously, uh, it's happened since you've been here with Bob in '15. It's not as obvious this time around. That's that's, that's evident. It, what's what, why? I mean, why? It's the end of October. We're about to get into November. Usually, the fan base, even if 
without results even, you can see a team that's really making playing its best ball. What, what's, what's the disconnect to this team? Um, I, don't, I don't think there's a disconnect. I mean, I just think we're kind of on our journey, you know, and, and I think I think in a lot of areas uh, we have improved and, and I believe we'll continue to improve. Um, I think every, every journey is different. You know, every game is different. Every scenario is different. You know, this this has been a year of the, the these crazy low possession games where, you know, again, that it evens the playing field. It just does. Now there are things we can do better to, you know, eliminate those, create more possessions, stay on the field longer offensively, get off the field quicker defensively. Absolutely. But uh, I, I, I see when I watch the tape, I still see improvements and I still see things that get me really excited about what this team can be. I can. I, I see them on all sides of the ball. We haven't quite put it together, but uh, we're closer than you guys think, and we're probably a little bit closer than uh, fan base, you know, national perception, all that thing. So I know this. I've been around here long enough. You keep winning, uh, then team things tend to kind of work themselves out. And uh, we've had eight chances. We've done it eight times. We've got the longest winning streak in the country. Sky's not falling. Don't write us off just yet. Uh, a couple things. Uh, do you have an update on Jalen Redmond's situation? He's dressed out. Yeah, yeah. He was close to being ready last week. Uh, didn't, uh, um, but not, not, not quite there. Um, had him there, kind of in an emergency uh, scenario. But we do anticipate having him available this week. And also, when you're trying to, you know, your defense seems to play better, like. I did Thomas talk about he had when he jumped all sides once. And he's just one people watching. Do you need your team leaders, your best players, to, I guess, to kind of lead the way to getting out of whatever you're in, not playing well? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great, great point. I mean, every, it's a point that we've, you know, we've talked quite about a, a bit about this week, and not not just defensively. All three. I mean, rarely will you ever find a team where you're veteran guys and your quote unquote best players, if you're a good team, typically those guys are playing the best ball of their lives. And, and we need that. And not only obviously does that help production and uh, obviously more, more positive plays, all of that on all sides, but what it does, it sets a great example for the young guys in our program. And we've got a lot of young guys um, on, on both sides, all three sides that have either you know earned or in some ways kind of been forced into a, a huge chunk of early season reps and responsibility that you want to grow and that you want them to learn from some of those, some, some of their experiences kind of, you take that first half of the season where they're still a true freshman or still a young slash new guy, you know, by the second half of the season, they should start to look like a sophomore. You know, they should not start to, they should stop looking like a young guy. Some of that obviously is them stepping up in their production, but another part of it is, you know, what are the leaders and quote unquote best players you know, how, how are they setting the tone? You know, what kind of example are they providing? And so um, we've put a lot of that on our older guys, and we feel like, I don't think have any problem saying it, we feel like there's a number of older veteran guys on this team right now that need to be at their best, and this team needs them to be better. And we've made that adamantly clear. Lincoln, you talked about the low possessions, and Kansas starts up with a 14 play drive, but last nine minutes on Saturday. Um, the evidence is there that it is happening, but I assume teams tried to do that against you guys in the past to shorten games and limit possessions. Yeah. 
and you've had some defenses in the past that you know haven't been where this defense or where, where things have moved to. So what's changed? What are teams doing now to limit it where I assume that they were trying to do that in the past? Yeah, I think we've seen more people uh, try it. I mean, I think I referenced a question I got, I don't know, several weeks back. People asked about the quality of just run games, uh, running backs kind of in this league. And I do think it's a, the league as a whole runs the ball very well. And maybe, maybe from top to bottom, as good as it has in a long time. I mean, I, for, for a while, I mean, everybody was just dropping back, no huddle, tempo, throwing it. I mean, it was kind of weird to just see somebody get in a huddle, honestly. I mean, we were kind of the, for a while there, we, we're not slow. We kind of became the, you know, slower, more methodical one in the league. And so I think you've seen more people adopt that. Um, and then I think, you know, for us, uh, I, why has it happened more? I think the, the biggest areas that I've seen is, again, our ability to get three and outs and to get off the field defensively. I mean, you go, that's a great plan. You go, you go shut somebody down and get three and out, that plan doesn't work very good. And so, um, you know, getting off, being able to get off to a fast start, it's like playing an option team. If you can get off to a fast start, a lot of times you feel like you have the advantage. You know, and really other than the TCU game, you know, here as of late, we haven't gotten off to very many fast starts. So we need to get in a fast start to get off to a fast start, you know, all sides, put some pressure on people. And then obviously when we get a chance to get off the field or we get a chance to stay on the field offensively, uh, we've got to do a better job, especially early in games. You know, we've, we've tended to finish pretty well. I mean, that's this group, this group finishes as good as at this at this point in the season, eight games in, we finish as good as any team I've ever been around. So if we if we can connect all the wires, we 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 might have a squad here. I'm curious what you think about your offensive line because it looked like Caleb had plenty of time in most of the cases, and then on your two fourth and ones, that you know, your running back gets stood up, and Caleb was saved with both of them really. So curious what you thought of their overall play. How did you grade it out? What did you think? Uh, played, played solid. I, the penalties were probably the biggest negative. Um, uh, yeah, the first fourth down, no, we had a clean gap inside. I mean, Caleb bounced it, probably shouldn't have bounced it, but did and scored, and it looked great if he'd have ran inside. I don't know if he'd have scored, but he would have, you know, I, I could have gotten the first down inside. Um, so that one was blocked really well. Uh, second fourth down, yeah, we had a mental error by, by one of the offensive linemen that led to it. Um, but uh, no, we've played. We're settling in. We're playing better. Young guys are getting better. Uh, we protected pretty well. Uh, we, we were we were the majority of the plays the other day. We were pretty good, but we had a few too many errors, especially the penalties. And like I said, I referenced that error. We had an error on the first third down uh, protection, um, the first third down of the game when we had a drive going. So, you know, solid, but. Can it be better? Do we expect it to be elite? Yes, uh, but I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that we're we're improving there. Um, but we need that group to be. We need to, that group to go from being good, you know, solid, all that, to being elite. And the part of taking that last step is eliminating those mental errors, eliminating those penalties. Getting back to Mike Williams and Mario Williams, those are guys that have made key catches for you this year. Did that limit you in any way offensively, not having them, or can you quantify their absence, how that affected you offensively the other day? Yeah, I mean, it definitely had an effect. I mean, you just, in a sense, wipe out an entire position group. Um, you know, so it was, yeah, I mean, it definitely had an effect on, we obviously had to move some pieces around to, to make it work. And, and, you know, we don't, at wide out right now, we don't, we just don't have a lot of pieces to move right now. I mean, there's, you look up at kind of the options and there's, 
you know, there's good options, but there's not a, just a whole lot of them. And so uh, it, it did. I mean, did it, was it the difference, you know, some like huge difference that had this crazy impact on the game? I don't know that I could say that, but did it impact a few of the things that we did or didn't do? It, that, to be fair, yes, it did. Carry on Winfrey, someone who started off the season really hot the last two games, no sacks, top of TFL. Not to single him out as the cause of the problems, but just how important is he for the success of this season? He is important. He's an emotional leader, and I would put him in that category of the, the question Myron asked. I mean, it's it's another guy that is, you know, one of your bell cows, you know, one of your talented players, guy that's been around here a little bit. Um, has he played awful? No. He's had some really good moments this year, but. He's again, and there's there's a there's a there, there's a list. I mean, there, there's and he's certainly not the only one, but he's one of a you know several guys kind of in that role that we don't need to be good or just okay or spotty. We need those guys to be elite. And uh, so um, knowing him, uh, he's he's always I give the kid credit anytime that we've challenged him. He's he's always been up for it, and I would expect he will be for this one as well. Points you just made about needing the older guys to set the tone. Um, Jeremiah talked about after the game the other day when he addressed some of the things that happened in the first half. How do you feel like he and the other captains have done that so far through these couple practices? Yeah, they've been a, they've been good. They've been aggressive. I mean, I. You know that, which is which is what you need. Um, it's the week has started off very well. It's a great practice today, but we gotta we gotta be able to sustain that. I mean, I think you know any time you, you have. You know, a leak in any way. I mean, I think the thing that you do is you, you know, as coaches, you put a, a plan in place, uh, you put it in front of the players, and then everybody's got to take it, run with it, buy in 100%. And, and part of getting that full team buy in and everybody pushing in the right direction is, is, you're right. I mean, the leaders do set the tone in a lot of ways. I mean, they're, they're, they're around the other guys when we're not in the locker room. Um, you know, when you're, one of the leader, older guys, more, you know, quote-unquote established players, you know, everybody watches you, you know, and that's sometimes for guys that, that maybe haven't been leaders or kind of growing into leadership roles, it's kind of hard to realize. You, you know, everybody in this program, you know, watched every move that Baker Mayfield made, every move. I mean, Kenneth Murray, anything he did you know, back half his career was, was noticed, and it's it's – it's always impactful. And if you're doing the right thing, if you're preparing the right, right way, playing the right way, working the right way, not only does it help you as a player, it impacts those around you. Um, if you're not doing it at elite level, it can have a neg- negative impact. And again, I'm not saying that we've got a bunch of you know bad guys or like they're old guys are sitting there playing terrible. Again, not any stretch, but we've got a lot of older guys that are playing solid, that are playing good, that are capable of playing elite, and we need them to step up and play elite. It seems like one thing that has changed just defensive having to face a lot more fourth downs than they mm-hmm. did, and not fourth downs out of desperation. Yeah, yeah. How, how, how do you, you kind of get that mentality in them that, you know, just because you stopped a guy two yards short on third down, we're not getting ready to feel the fun here? No, it's a challenge, and we faced a ton this year. I mean, you think about it, you know, if I went and told you, hey, we're going to, in this game, we're going to give up two and a half yards of play everybody in the world would take that you'd lead the country in defense when you play four downs and give up two and a half yards of play guess what it's first down I mean so it's it is it's changed we have played a lot um, of teams that have been very aggressive on fourth down but I think I think for us that's where the need to get those 
three and outs early in the series where by field position it's just much more difficult to go for fourth down on your own 28-yard line as opposed to the 50. And that's where, you know, we've had a lot of times where we've gotten the third down stop on plus side, but then all, guess what? you got to defend another down. And so part of it is us putting ourselves in those positions. Um, and then obviously the second part is it's always a risk to go for it on fourth down offensively and when we can get those uh, for any offense. And so, you know, taking advantage of those fourth down plays, getting those stops and giving the offense great field position is a great chance to flip it and flip momentum too. So. There's opportunities in there, but yeah, certainly when teams are being aggressive through four downs, it's it's uh, it does change kind of the game and the perspective there. Just a follow-up, do you kind of maybe play caller-wise have to change your mentality? Where a lot of times if it's third and nine, you call a defense where yeah, you can have seven yards, that's no problem. But knowing you give up seven yards, that probably means you got to defend a fourth. Yeah, no, I mean that's something I think I think every play caller it's something that. You know, offensively, we talk about in the headsets. It's something that Alex and I talk about on the headsets during defensive series is identifying when it's a, a four-down situation. And we have had we have had a lot of those. You know, but absolutely, it changes. When you know that a team's likely to, to go for it, 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 it could change your mentality a little bit. And it can also certainly just change the, the kind of calls that you expect to come from the opposing coordinator. So, yeah, it's definitely part of the game within the game. Eddie? I think there's sense from the fan base that we're going to come in here and throw a shoe at you or somebody like uh, President Bush did. But is there a level of frustration defensively just because it seems like it is? If it's not one thing, it's another from week to week. And it's the ninth week of the season, and we're still asking you, like, how is it going to turn around? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is there – I mean, I would say it, it is what it is right now. I mean, I think it's my, – my sense of it right now is, is there's – I, I, again, I see capability. I see defense that played very well for us early in this season. I see no reason why this defense cannot play very well the back half of this season. I see some things starting to come together that give me a high sense of confidence that it's going to get done. I feel like we have the right people in the room to get it done. Um, and again, I, when we have sprung leaks, when it hasn't been good, I know the emotions of being in a stadium or a fan watching it on TV, I get that's one thing, but when you take the emotions out of it and you go sit down and watch the tape, I watch it saying, like I left, I left the Kansas game the other day, probably like a lot of people, disappointed how we played defensively, especially obviously in the first half. All right, I get on the plane, we're flying home, watching it, you know, calmer head, all right, emotions kind of have, have run their course, and look at it saying, gosh, damn, we're close. You know, we're so close, like we're agonizingly close. And again, the, the, the thing that the mistakes, the things that have hurt, the things that have hurt us, the times when people have moved it for the most part have been our errors. It's not just guys getting beat or guys not doing this or the capability not there. So you feel like it's very correctable. And I think then you add that with the anticipation of, listen, when you got four starters out, again, I don't care who you are. It's just, it's different. I mean, it just... It just is, and and with the anticipation of kind of building back up this roster, adding some key pieces, I can I can very clearly see this thing coming together. So I, that, that's where I sit on it. Um, uh, no doubt, our expectations there are incredibly high, uh, but I think we've got the group to reach it. I'll be very surprised if we don't. I guess hit a little bit differently, and I know they're college players. I'm not trying to take a shot at them, but the hit different in the locker room than it was Kansas, and they're on the bottom rung of. You know, the echelon of college football. Does it wake players up more when, like, yeah, we do need to change something? Um, 
I mean, for us, I mean, our expectations every week are to play at a high level. I mean, that's really who it is. Did, did it affect some of our players, specifically maybe some of our young players? I, I wouldn't – I can't sit there and promise you that it didn't um, as far as the opponent or maybe thinking that it was going to be easier than it was going to be. Um, does the disappointment feel any different because who the opponent was? No, no, because I – uh, listen, that could have been a that could have been uh, the Milshoe JV team. And if you if you're going to jump off sides, you know, a, a ton of times, if you're not going to fit runs correct, I mean, they're going to get yards unless they just fumble the snap. I mean, they're you're going to get yards when we jump off sides unless you just don't you jump off sides first. I mean, there's just some fundamental things that you have to do defensively, or you give yourself no chance. And again, obviously, things we're capable of doing, we expect to do. And I think that we'll do a lot better. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Sooner Sports Network.